Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. This week's podcast is entitled, They Know Just How to Push Your Buttons. When my youngest son was living with me some years ago, there was a cartoon that he really enjoyed. I don't remember the characters' names, but there was one of them who would continually poke the other. For some reason or another, my son found this to be hilarious so much so that he would oftentimes come and begin to poke me. And while he was in the process of poking me, he would say, poke, 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 poke. It might be on my arm or on my side, but wherever it was, it would be absolutely aggravating. He knew this and was one of the ways that my son, like many sons, will playfully vex their mothers. When I would ask him to stop or why was he doing that, he would say, I just like pushing your buttons. And he truly knew just what buttons to push that would absolutely drive me up a wall. But what if a stranger on the street just walked up to me and started poking me? What would my reaction be? Knowing me, I'd probably tell them to stop and let them know that if they touch me again, they'd be sorry. Obviously, I wouldn't tolerate it. But with those that we love and are familiar with and who know us well, we put up with certain things even when it comes to pushing our buttons in not so playful ways. But let me stop right here so I can clarify what it means for someone to push your buttons. It means to provoke a reaction from someone and that reaction must be one of annoyance and exasperation to the point of being downright infuriated. It's only at those points where the pusher knows that they've accomplished their their objective. It's strange how this works because if I know what his goals are, why would I allow his actions to obtain his desired results? Why would I let what I know aggravates me along with the knowledge that he was purposely doing this with that intent and purpose in mind, why would I allow it? Why not just ignore it? Well, this is where flesh comes into the picture. The poking that my son and others do is a direct connection to flesh, which in turn provokes one's mental and emotional faculties to a place beyond peace and solitude for the most part is psychological, but can have a definite impact on our spirit man through the means of our flesh. For me and my son, it was a game where oftentimes I would end up running after him with the cooking spoon or the broom. It would always end up in laughter. It was a matter that he always knew when to do this to me and at what times it would be most effective in bringing about his desired results, which was bugging the stew out of his mama. But what about when it's someone or something that we don't like or who's not a loved one who's pushing our buttons? On the other hand, it could be someone we love who's saying or doing something that instead of ending in fun and laughter, it comes to a place of resentment and anger. And what makes these times so intense and unfavorable is the fact that the person or family member knows just what to say, do, 
or make reference to in order to get the negative reaction desired. What happens when the enemy uses a situation in our lives to push buttons that haven't been activated in a very long time? When there are buttons that have been dormant and not triggered, but hidden and kept under control for years. If not careful, it will be during these moments that not only will flesh rise up, but the old sinful flesh that's being poked will rise up as well. These times can bring about ruinous results. Thanksgiving, Christmas, weddings, and definitely funerals can be totally devastated because somebody's buttons got pushed in the wrong way by the wrong person saying or doing the wrong thing. A day that started out going okay for the most part becomes a disaster because of what someone said, whether purposely or innocently, with or without intent, it has now caused a catalytic explosion. However, the bottom line is that the true factor in these situations is whether it's a stranger on the street, a politician in the news, or a person you're married to, the enemy knows just who to use and what to give them to say in order to get his desired results. And that is to get a reaction that's not only out of one's character, but also a response or reaction that will cause us to be out of the will of God. Therefore, it's up to each of us to decide whether we'll be the ones to push or will we allow ourselves to be pushed. And in actuality, it should be neither. Believe it or not, Satan is always, without exception, the initiator of these situations. He's always the one behind each of us being aggravated and pushed to the place of such great anger and resentment that it forces one to feel that they have no choice but to push back. Of course, this pushback is always with a greater force and even more anger. And of course, this is where the arguments, quarrels, and fights are instigated and launched. This is where he brings about such disagreements and divisions that marriages, families, and friends are torn apart for lifetimes. Gang fights, racial murders, and political uprisings are launched because the enemy pushes someone's buttons and someone on the opposing side feels that they have to push back. Another one of his strategies is not only to start these arguments and quarrels, but to keep them going. This strategy occurs when one feels that they were wronged and shouldn't have to and won't apologize, or worse yet, that they are too offended to accept an apology and then forgive and let go of the offense. We must recognize when the enemy is trying to push our buttons. We must recognize his actions and not allow them to accomplish the intended results. It's an easy thing for someone like me to accomplish this when living alone. But what about when we're away from home, out in public, and maybe in a grocery store or place and order in a fast food line, and not until you're back home or back on the highway do you realize that your order is wrong. And to make it worse, you gave a good tip. 
Now you have every reason to be angry. And when you get back to the place of business, because of course now you do have to go back, you've already decided that you're definitely going to give them a piece of your mind. Once you return and speak your mind, reprimanding the people at the fast food window, you drive off not only completely satisfied, but absolutely justified by your actions. That is until you begin to have your prayer and devotion time and the Holy Ghost begins to bring conviction. And during this time of conviction, remember, God doesn't push our buttons. So we can't react in a negative way to what he's saying. This is definitely not the time to justify, or I should say to attempt to justify our reactions. So what happens if we don't feel convicted by our actions or words? If we truly feel that what we've said or done was right and what was needed? Suppose we know within our hearts and minds that we were right or that we actually don't care because that's what needed to be said. In that case, I would truly suggest that one would continue praying and asking our Father why we feel so justified and allowing our anger to be so out of control. Our Father is not one to allow his children to speak rudely, mean, and offensive to others without bringing conviction. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 that we can be angry but sin not. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5:22, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. We cannot continually walk around angry and vexed, meaning that we're so exasperated that we continue holding resentments in our hearts and spirits towards one another. We cannot be so irate and annoyed with our sisters and brothers in Christ that it causes hostility regardless of the reason without realizing that we're being subjected to judgment. And let me share something else. If we're the ones who are pushing the buttons, initiating someone else's anger, then we shall surely stand in judgment as well. In these situations, we are definitely allowing ourselves, sometimes consciously, to be used by the enemy to accomplish his goals and to satisfy our own flesh. We all know that there are situations that we will find ourselves in where there will be such a thing as a righteous anger. But we must remember that a righteous anger is not a human anger. James 1.20 tells us because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Again, remember, righteous anger is not a human anger and we must realize that there is a difference. There are many times in the Bible that speaks of God's anger and far too many times we assume that because we are made in the image of God, we can also have the anger like God, even to the degree of pouring out our own wrath. Not so. Again, we must remember what it means to be angry and sin not. In the words of Matthew Henry, and I quote, one great and common sin in anger is to suffer it to burn into wrath and then to let it rest 
and therefore we are here cautioned against that, end quote. If there is anger, then we cannot allow it to rest, to remain and become a part of us. We can't allow it to become wrath with wrath being defined as rage, bad temper, quarrelsomeness, and crabbiness. The word of God expressly speaks against these things. There is a very strong feeling of annoyance that I experience with certain politicians. And I will express that annoyance, that displeasure and frustration from time to time. And yet there is no wrath, rage or bad temper and definitely not enough to bring me into a riot or street fight or even a disrespect toward those who are in authority. When one understands what a righteous anger is, tempers are controlled and flesh is kept under subjection. It means that even in the anger that one feels, it should never get to a place of wrath, which leads to purposely finding words, memories, or occurrences that will be used in pushing someone else's buttons. It should never lead to a place where we are standing in agreement with the accuser of the brethren. I'm sure I've shared this passage of scripture before from Revelations 12 and 10. It reads, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. We as Christians and believers in Christ must realize that when we say things to one another, mean, cruel, hurtful, and painful words to one another, that we are standing with the enemy of God. When we say things, even if they're true, including sins of the past, wrongs that God has already forgiven, then we are standing with the enemy of God because this is what Satan does. He stands before the throne of God, making accusations against us day and night. He is continually reminding God of our past mistakes, wrongs and sins 24 hours a day. And when we begin to bring up the wrongs, sins, and mistakes of those we love without the fruit of love, then we are standing with the accuser in anger and wrath. But my sisters and brothers, all is not lost because the very next verse of that same chapter of Revelations reads, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. It's through the blood of Christ that we've triumphed over the enemy. It's up to each of us to decide when, where, how, and if we will allow the enemy to push our buttons or if we'll allow him to use us to aggravate and provoke others to such an anger that they sin. So the next time Satan tries to use someone to push your buttons or for that matter to use you to push someone else's buttons, 
by saying things that have already been forgiven or by bringing up past sins and mistakes, simply say, but it's under the blood and I'm an overcomer. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amieagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net and through the Facebook post or Facebook Messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support, and may God bless each and every one of you.